theorizing that primetime audiences were ready for a new time travel series, NBC and creator Donald Belisario debuted Quantum Leap on March 26, 1989. Starring Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell, the series followed Dr. Sam Beckett for five seasons of time-hopping adventures, spawning novels, comics, and a fan base that has clamored for decades for a revival. Now, with Raymond Lee and Caitlin Bassett starring in a new version of the series that dangles just as many new threads as it does old ones, we'll ball the string up and explore the revival and the ways in which Quantum Leap has always entertained and inspired us here on... Oh boy. Oh boy, it's a placeholder podcast. My name is Nate, <laughs> and with me is a co-host we can all see and hear, Brian Martin. Hello, everybody. <laughs> How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah. How about yourself, Nate? I uh, can't complain. We were just talking about the fact that the COVID bug went through your house, so that's why we were off last week. Yeah, I'm assuming that's what it was. I always conduct any sickness, regardless of severity, as though it's COVID-19. Yeah, that's that's my new policy. Probably worth it. You know, I had an idea, though, last week when I was feeling sick, some sort of amalgamation of hippie culture and black exploitation called COVID-69 <laughs> and make a story about a COVID outbreak in 1969. Okay. And did you get any plot forward in that or just the... No, I got a really good idea for a poster. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Basically, it looks like the poster for Shaft, but everybody's wearing face masks. All right. Well, that's how every great idea starts with the poster. Actually, I think great ideas start, it goes title, poster, tagline. Yeah. Every great idea starts like that. If you don't have those three things, abort. Yeah. That's funny because I just watched that documentary on the Netflix about American gladiators. Have you heard about this? About the documentary or about American Gladiators? Well, either one. Were you a fan, first of all? I have got a DVD collection up here on my shelf of American Gladiators. Oh, you've got to be kidding. I kid you, you not. You went out and no. purchased American Gladiators? No, it was gifted to me, Nate. I'm not a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well... That being the case, I think you'd get a real kick out of this uh, documentary that they did. The only reason you reminded me was that the guy that quote-unquote created the American Gladiators. Sure. Title only. That's all he That's had? All he's he like, had. I'm out. Yeah. Got back in the limo and just rode off into the yeah, sunset. Yeah, I mean, he got some people together. He went to a studio. I guess he already had some money, and he was like, this is my idea. American Gladiators. Well, what is... What is what is that? <laughs> oh, he's kind of like he's kind of like. Did you watch Glow? Uh, I watched the first you... season of Glow. I think he's like the bash of American Gladiators. Yeah, he's like the guy who just came in. He's full of coke, <laughs> and he's yeah. just like, I got an idea. American Gladiators. Mwah. Yep. See you all later. Yeah, it's a good documentary about how all that comes together. I remember being a fan um, back in the day, but I don't know that I would have physical media in my possession. <laughs> Look, I didn't even know it existed until somebody handed it to me. So, uh, Well, yeah. those are the best yeah. of friends, <laughs> the ones that know you so well. This is for you. Yeah. yeah. So what else have you been getting yourself into? Any media recently? We did discuss Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Right? We did not. 
We did not. No, and I, I have. I can't remember when the last time we. Uh, yeah, it's we been recorded. A, it's been uh, a little while, and the fans are restless. Yeah. I'll tell you. No, I, I, <laughs> sure. All, all five of the fans. Nate's mom is very she, restless to hear she our. She wrote me a letter. She wrote me a wow. stern letter, <laughs> stamped and everything, huh? Man, uh, yeah. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. Did go see that. I'm hearing good things. And, uh, woo, man, it's. I can't even say it's better than it has any right to be because it has every right to be as good as it is. Yeah. It's a real, real sharp, ground-up reinterpretation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, every incarnation we've ever seen of the Turtles, there's never been one quite like this. Hmm. That's interesting. It's very, very good. Well, I know Donatello has glasses. Yeah. That's about my knowledge of this. I'll tell you, the biggest selling point for this movie is that this is probably the first time the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles seemed like actual teenagers. Oh. Ever. All right. They are very much young teenagers. The movie goes in some surprising directions with it. Yeah, Ninja Turtles is interesting because I would say that most interpretations are good. More are good than are bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's surprisingly the case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only one that I can really point to that, no thanks, was the Michael Bay produced movies. Where they're big hulking monsters. I can think of two. One is the Michael Bay one, and then one is the short-lived live-action series on TV. Yes, Venus de Milo. Venus de Milo, yeah. yeah. That's another one I think was a misfire. (laughs) But but beyond that, (laughs) I think to varying degrees, the franchise has been successful and pretty consistent over the years. Yeah. Right? Like, each time is fresh. It's honestly a different take each time, it feels like. And this is the wildest take so far. It comes out of left field. It's it's a really different take. But is it really that far of a deviation from the comics that got real crazy? Like when the comics got super crazy with all the aliens and the dinosaurs and what have you? Yeah, it's not like that at all. No. The basic DNA of the original source material and the original concept is in there. Hmm. You know, it's very science forward. It's very like the mutagen stuff. You know, all of that stuff is there. It is just played with in ways that we have not seen before. Is it recognizable as a parody of Daredevil? No. No, <laughs> no definitely. Because the, the whole Daredevil aspect of the origin story is not present. Okay, okay. Yeah, I assume most people out there know that the Turtles are basically a parody of the, or an in-universe parody of the In-universe, yeah, yeah, because they were a direct result of the accident that gave young Matt Murdock his powers right. in the comics. That was a very deliberate thing that Eastman and Laird did. Yeah. They were like, all right, what's big right now? And the biggest things around were X-Men, Teen Titans, and Daredevil. Yeah. So it's like we got teenagers, we got mutants, we got Ninja Turtles. You know, there we go. Yeah. We got all our bases covered. Yeah, when I found that out, that really kind of blew my mind. <laughs> but I was like, wow, yeah. that's amazing. It's like discovering time travel in your garage, you know? That's what Ninja Turtles was. It was like two guys in their one-room apartment pouring their heart and soul into one thing. Yeah. And then, boom, it lit like wildfire, you know? Yeah. It, this clicked, it worked, and... And continues to work. Those two, I think about uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird a lot. And I think, 
God, just lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Those two. And they theoretically never had to work again. <laughs> yeah. Except the interesting thing is that they continued to and they never. Yeah. They never gave it all away. They had some creative input, if not control, on like the 1990 movie. Yes. You know, yeah. cartoons moving forward. Most of these ideas had to be run by them. Kevin Eastman at least was involved in the Archie Comics adaptation of the first movie. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah. Peter Laird, I mean, they've had a very s sticky relationship yeah. over the years, but I don't remember if they were both involved in that. Because their names were both on it, obviously. Yeah, that Netflix documentary, The Toys That Made Us, if you followed any of those. Oh, yes. Yeah. The Ninja yeah. Turtles was one of those. They talk about the falling out that they had and then kind of the mending and then the just sort of like, all right, you do your thing, I'll do mine. And um, Yeah. Another great documentary series. Yeah. Toys I really enjoyed that. I'm waiting for another season to come out. They're few and far between, it seems. But, uh, well, yeah, that's... That's that's cool. I do need to get out there and see that, given that this Sunday it's supposed to be 109 degrees. Oh, my God. And it's uh, <laughs> National Cinema Day. So, hey, yeah, you're maybe, in luck. Yeah, maybe I'll drag the kid out into a nice chilled theater. I've got tickets for Blue Beetle this weekend. I'm surprised you haven't seen that yet. It just came out this weekend, and I did go see Oppenheimer, finally. I thought it was great. I was going to say, uh, I have to assume you enjoyed it. I did. Right. Holy moly. Yeah. What a movie. Since Mission Impossible, I have not been out to the theater. Like the last few things that I've consumed are the Justified series, which I'm keeping okay. up with. And good. that's really good. Really an interesting update. And then I've watched 12 Angry Men. You watched 12 Angry Men? When did you recently, watch 12 Angry Men? Just recently, like I, a week and a half ago. A week, maybe. I watched 12 Angry Men two nights ago, Nate. Oh, you're kidding me. I shit you not. I watched it two nights ago. Well, what prompted that, can I ask? <laughs> um, So I have the Criterion version of it, and I'm just kind of working my way through some movies I picked up at various points, and I'm like, you know, I need to give this one a watch because I haven't seen it in a while, uh -huh. or I haven't seen it since I picked up the Criterion edition. While I was ill, I know I said I didn't really watch a whole lot, but I did watch One False Move, which just was released by Criterion last month. I watched Miller's Crossing, the Coen Brothers movie. Okay. And I watched 12 Angry Men two nights ago. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, that's funny. We've got like uh, some kind of connection. <laughs> that was a first time watch for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Man. Um, it's funny because I'd heard nothing but good things about 12 Angry Men, and everybody talks about 12 Angry Men, this great movie. And one of these YouTube channels that I really watch, Red Letter Media. I don't know if you're of familiar. Course. A big, oh, yeah, yeah, big yeah. fan of those guys. And they put out a funny video because they loved Oppenheimer. But their one critique to Oppenheimer was that the big bombastic music was playing constantly, even if it was just folks like talking in a room. <laughs> yeah so, yeah it is yeah so they put together a trailer for 12 angry men and played it with the big scores and all they're really just doing is talking in a room and then at the end it says it's 12 angry men experience it in imax <laughs> <laughs> and i thought that was hilarious and then i was like all right i gotta check this movie out and i'm That's glad i good. did i can't imagine it's a good movie juror nine i think is the the old man right like <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Him in IMAX when they're doing those close-ups, it's like, we're way too close to this old man's face. <laughs> You're really glad I finally put eyeballs on that. Good stuff. Um, Absolutely. Got to mix it up. You know, you got to get some modern stuff. You got to get some classics in there. That's it's important. Oh, speaking of modern stuff, I've got one other thing before we actually get into topic today. Um, we do have sure. a, we do have a topic. It's not going to be us just rambling the whole time. <laughs> like usual. Yeah. <laughs> Let me send this over to you there in the chat. Do you know anything about this? No, I do not. Okay, well, you take two minutes and 40 seconds and watch this thing, because I want to talk to you about it. Okay, all right, let me take a look. And I'll play some kind of, like, Jeopardy music or something here. He is watching the trailer to a movie called 57 Seconds. Do yourself a favor and go ahead and watch this trailer and then uh, come back to us. So, let me get this straight. Uh, it appears that Josh Hutcherson, PETA of the Hunger Games, has acquired technology from God. I'm going to assume this is an in-universe extension <laughs> of... Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty, Evan Almighty trilogy. Sure. And it allows him to turn back the clock. But is it 57 seconds? 50 you can only second, go back 57 yeah. seconds? 57 seconds only. Why, why couldn't we do 60? I, it, I feel like... <laughs> because that's not as cool a title. <laughs> I feel like I'm Harlan Williams in There's Something About Mary talking about like the seven-minute abs video. <laughs> like, what if somebody does six-minute abs, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's what it feels like to me. I'm like, we couldn't just do 60 seconds? Well, but, um, so people will confuse it with gone in 60 seconds, I think. Plus 50... No, no, you're probably right. Yeah. yeah, 57 is a cool number. You know they it's sat definitely there. definitely something that's more memorable. Yeah, yeah. you know they sat Trying around and thought. just the right number. Yeah, exactly. What is the number that this needs to be? But basically, some guy gets a time travel ring <laughs> that allows him to turn the clock back 57 seconds. And I just was really surprised to come across that with another time travel in the short term. This is September 29th, I think September. it said. The yeah. end of next Comes month. next month. Mm-hmm. Boy, wow. A media blitz, I would say. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't fault them. We've got like like at least a dozen strikes going on right now. So True uh, enough. Yeah. So Yeah, wow. I so, don't know, man. Like I was gonna say, so you're not doing a podcast. You've got no time travel podcast in your mind's eye. Do you go see this movie based on that trailer? I don't think so. I think I probably wait until I can stream it on whatever thing it's going to end up on. It seems a uh, it seems a little generic, maybe. Was it uh, Amanda Seyfried and Justin Timberlake? Oh, where they running? Was it called In Time? Yeah, where or they're something? running out of time and they're like their years are yeah. tattooed on their arms or something. Yeah, there's another one I did not see in the theater, and I waited for like a home release for, and I'm like, I, yeah, see, I just don't. Uh, I mean, feels the same way. I'm a sucker for time travel stories, but you've got to really hook me. I think word of mouth, if it's positive for this, could make a difference for me. But I'm just looking at it and I'm like, you know, Morgan Freeman, he's great, but let's be honest, he'll do just about anything. He's also kind of a scumbag from what I hear, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'll go see it. You can go by my word of mouth. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Yeah, uh, I, I was thinking I, I 
I don't know that I'm necessarily driven to see it, but just the notion that here's another time travel property. And I thought, you know, load them up. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, things we could definitely to talk use about. more time travel shit to talk yeah, about. That's, yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that uh, machine in Galaxy Quest that sets the clock back probably about 57 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They just yeah. hit the button and then it allows them to beat the aliens. I don't know. Just long enough. I just yeah. I just thought it was worth bringing up on a night like tonight. It could be something that ends up going in some interesting and wild directions. It looks like it could be a movie that does something totally unexpected with its concept. Or it could be complete garbage. Yeah. There's no in the There's middle. There's no in the middle. There's with nothing in the middle. Yeah. There's no way this is just going to be like, you'll come out of it and be like, mm, that was fine. It's either going to be complete crap or it's really going to surprise you. Yeah. Might be worth checking out because I'm doing this podcast. Well, now I've kind of talked myself into going to see All it right. too. So, I mean, I don't... All right. Well, yeah. September 29th, we'll think about it. Because uh, that's... It's still... This will still be out before the new season of Quantum Leap takes That's shoes. Yeah, I was just thinking that. As you think about September 29th and October 4th is the date, circle your calendar. So the podcast immediately following this movie, I feel like we'll be tied up with a season two premiere. And I don't know that we'd have too much time to... No, to, that's probably true. Yeah, maybe... Unless the... Plus the premiere is really awful, and we just spend the entire episode talking about this Josh Hutcherson movie. I think if the premiere is really awful, the uh, podcast will be two hours long. That's true. <laughs> if it's good, God forbid it's good. <laughs> and we have nothing to talk about. Well, speaking of things to talk about, so we are definitely going to work up our season two for Quantum Leap. In coming weeks, we are going to talk a little bit about what we would do with season two of this show, as well as thoughts, predictions, news for the upcoming season. So we're going to talk about what we would do with it and kind of piece together what we think they're going to do. Right. That's going to be fun. And we kind of teased it for this week, but uh, gosh, October 4th is a little too far away. It's pretty far away, guys. And we thought we would have a little bit of fun this week going, again, way off track here. We've, over the last couple months, talked about things that have some sort of adjacent connection to Quantum Leap. We talked about the movie Source Code. We talked about, previously, the pilot for Sliders. (laughs) That was really Um, fun. (laughs) We talked about the pilot for Highway to Heaven, just a show that we brought up. I mean, Highway to Heaven is just an innocent bystander in all of this, guys. It has nothing (laughs) on Quantum Leap. But uh, I think but people we brought enjoyed it, up repeatedly. it. I think people and enjoyed I think was, that episode. I certainly had a fun time with yeah. it. This week, we go as out there as we have. And Nate, I want to know kind of before we get into it here, what is your experience with the series It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? None. None! This is, uh, wow. this is probably the second episode I've watched. Holy cow. Yeah. I knew this was going to get a reaction. And I thought, yeah. you know, I'm going to be asking questions that the entire world already knows as we're going <laughs> through this. And people are just going to, why are we rehashing this? Everybody knows this about that show. And uh, yeah. Maybe. I have I have next to no experience except to say that everyone always says, watch this show. 
Everybody loves it's, it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it's a good time. You know, I like Charlie a, Day a, and other things that I've seen. And yeah, I mean, I love his meme. <laughs> his meme in front of the board. Yep. Yeah. It's his best yeah, his work. His paranoid conspiracy theorist meme. Yeah, right. Yeah, this show has been on for something like 15 seasons now. It's It's been on forever. These guys have been doing this for so, so long. And it's people think of things like The Simpsons, you know, when they think of like shows that have just always been on in the periphery for most of their lives. It's Always Sunny has like on the sly ended up in that same sort of conversation. Yeah. Because this show premiered God, in like 2000 and three or 2004 it's crazy man it's almost 20 years old yeah it was on one of these uh the cable channels right is this an fx show it's an fx show yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's been on fx uh forever if you've got a hit in a niche style show i mean it's it's gonna get a second season and a third season and then once it catches it's on it's kind of remarkable because i mean the first season is like a lot of comedy shows like a lot of tv shows in general it took a little while to find its voice and figure out what it ultimately could be. I think okay. It's Always Sunny had a very good idea of what it wanted to be early on, but the show, when it started, was lacking one critical element that solidified everything, and it was Danny DeVito as Frank Reynolds. I was going to guess that it was the female character because that's what Seinfeld, when uh, when they brought Elaine Caitlin in, Olsen, finally, yeah. yeah. Caitlin Olsen is D. I don't think she was as important early on but when frank comes in as dennis and d's father that was the missing piece that's the piece that was the element of this ensemble that was missing yeah and the five of them together are i'm glad you brought up seinfeld because the way i sort of characterize this show over the years is like seinfeld was a show about four people that you probably wouldn't want to be in the same room with (laughs) And It's Always Sunny is about five people who you sort of don't want to exist on the same planet. <laughs> they are just absolutely reprehensible human beings. Okay. <laughs> and every episode is about them engaging in some way with society. And it's always a mistake. Like, that's... <laughs> okay. It's basically, it's just, it's always a mistake for these people and for the people around them. So the first thought I had, the first question I had, because when something popular like this exists, it's going to be in the zeitgeist. To say I had no idea what Sonny in Philadelphia was would be a lie, because you can't sure. miss it, right? I mean, like, I know they run a bar, I know they live in that city, and I, I get a sense of who all those characters are without ever having watched it. Right. But what I didn't know as a, in relation to the episode that we did watch, are there more than just this episode where it goes a little wonky like a community kind of situation where it's like a parallel universe or some kind of weird like anything can happen on this show. No, I, this is a very unique episode. Okay. So I think it's interesting that you don't have a lot of experience with it because by It's Always Sunny standards, this episode ends up being kind of tame because oh. so much of it is a musical. Yeah. And I know you guys are out there thinking, like, what in the hell does this have to do with anything? Either that or you're like, so, would you um, get to it? I know which one you're talking about. Oh, right. Yeah, maybe so. I said this this show has been on, like, almost 15 years we are looking specifically at the first episode of season 12 of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, 
which is titled <laughs> The Gang Turns Black. <laughs> Most of the episodes of the show are the gang blank, right? Okay. The gang exploits the mortgage crisis. The the gang <laughs> right, right. goes to a Phillies game. The gang does it's all this sort of just sure. random stuff. Sure. But this episode draws inspiration from a lot of different sources, one of which is The Wiz, the <laughs> 1970s black cast-led version of The Wizard of Oz that starred Diana Ross. And Michael and Jackson. Michael Jackson. The gang is watching The Wiz at home on a movie night with a character that I don't believe has ever been on the show previously, oh, Old Black Man, my other who question. is just a guy on the couch with them. There is an electrical surge that causes the VCR to fry, and the next thing we know are five main characters are existing in the bodies of black people. Yeah. They look in the mirror in Quantum Leap style and see different reflections staring back at them. Right. Old black man is gone. He vanishes. Yeah, so that's (laughs) not a recurring character, old black man. I mean, to the best of my recollection, no. Okay. No. Now, the, well, that's the beauty even of a more show like It's Always Sunny is that you can come and go as you will. You know, it's kind of like South Park or The Simpsons in that regard, where it's like you don't have to watch every single episode of this show. Sure. I would say my It's Always Sunny watching was at its peak from seasons one to eight or nine, probably. Okay. And everything beyond that point is spotty for me. A little bit. Only because your life so, has changed, I assume. My life has certainly changed more than the Paddy's crew. <laughs> yeah, I just mean like, were I a single guy, I might still be watching The Simpsons. But you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, so like, yeah. my life changed to where I couldn't finish Smallville, but I would have, you know, or so, sure. uh, something yes. like that. Yeah. And I just yeah. never came back to it. But as you brought this topic up, I thought, okay, well, let me do a quick search and see where else is Quantum Leap referenced in popular media or television. And it's really sparse. Yeah. Like, oddly sparse. And that's the crazy thing about this episode is that it is so heavily dependent upon Quantum Leap. There are two splintering plot lines. I don't even know which one would be A and B, really. They're both yeah, just they're pretty, kind of out pretty there even. existing in tandem. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the characters at the beginning when they look at the reflection and see that, oh my God, what is this? There are black people looking at us. Uh, And they start drawing comparisons to things in popular culture. And it's D, played by Caitlin Olsen, who says, no, this is a quantum leap situation. Right, right. And (laughs) Frank's response is, what the hell's a quantum leap? (laughs) Which I found odd because I would have thought the oldest guy would know it. Oh, he's a, he's just he has no knowledge of anything. Right. He's just a complete blank slate. Yes, he's he's worthless. <laughs> so D explains that Quantum Leap involved Scott Bakula occupying other people's bodies to do something for them to make their life better. Right. Right. I will admit, I don't think that it's a particularly good explanation of what Quantum Leap is. No, it's not, and that's what makes it so brilliant. Yeah. Like none of the explanations of what Quantum Leap is in this episode are good, but they are all somehow exactly what these characters would be saying about it. Well, sure, I, uh, I, I, that's good. The funniest like like for us, for us, one of the funniest things is when Frank is lamenting like who zapped us? Like they're trying to figure out how this happened. Who would have done this to us? And D's response is 
I don't know, Ziggy? They never really clarified. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And they mentioned Ziggy over and over and over again. (laughs) Right. Throughout the episode. Yeah. So the team, the guys, the gang, right? They kind of splinter into two groups. One who think this might be a Freaky Friday situation. Right. It's a body switch with somebody else where they have to learn a lesson in order to switch back. And then you've got your quantum leap side who think, okay, well, no, this is a quantum leap situation where we need to go change something for somebody to the positive, and then we'll switch back to our bodies. And the great thing, if you've watched 12 seasons of this show, you know that the last thing you want to hear from these people is something to the effect of, oh, we need to go make that person's life better. Because I guarantee you, by the end of the hour, that person is going to be homeless and missing teeth. <laughs> like, every time, reliably. <laughs> it seems like an enjoyable show. I think one of the things that actually makes this really work for me, which is strange, but one of the things that really makes it work for me is the fact that they've made this a musical. Those are some of... I know, it's wild. That's some of the most fun stuff that they do in there, coming up with the lyrics for these songs. Music and lyrics by Charlie Day. Oh, no kidding. He did all the songwriting for this. Okay, okay. Well, it's good, it's catchy, to the point uh, where I was actually humming the kind of the main song that they had in there about knowing the rules. What are the rules? What are the rules? What are the rules? What are the rules? Right. I mean, this. Uh, what are the rules for white people in black bodies? Is basically what they keep trying to figure out. Yeah. Right. And Frank, again, we know if you are familiar with the character of Frank, you know the first place he's going to go is to slang, and he's going to be trying to use a lot of maybe words that he should not be. Yeah. And that becomes one of his big sticking points. That's but, uh, that's his main goal. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, absolutely. Like that. That's the only goal he has. He's like, when will I have another opportunity to use the N word? It's <laughs> like, why are you looking for an opportunity? And so, yeah, that was pretty good. And uh, something about singing what they're thinking. I guess that's the whiz part of it. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. they spend a lot of time walking down streets and down alleys like they're heading down the yellow brick road or what have you. And uh, yeah, like I said, that's the that's the part that really worked for me. I really enjoyed those songs. It was pretty funny. So Charlie Mack and Dennis all get arrested very quickly. Yeah. Well, I think we just found out a new rule. And I think it leads to my favorite musical moment of the whole episode, which is when Charlie's singing about what he believes this black kid's life is like, <laughs> but he's actually singing about his own life. Yeah. And, they give... <laughs> and, and just finding this kinship with this black youngster that he's uh, leaped into. Yeah, that's one of the interesting um, things, too. When they're looking at themselves in the mirror, I found it interesting that they didn't just go with, here is the black equivalent of this character. Oh, no, not remotely. None of them look at all like that. Seems like the easy thing to do. The easy thing to do would be to like, well, here's Charlie Day, but black, you know, but no, he's a little kid, like a 12 year old. And (laughs) uh, (laughs) which in a lot of ways is Charlie's character on the show. Oh, okay. Like he's 
Charlie is a, a like a, an illiterate janitor. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> he's he's super gullible. He's very childlike. Oh, okay. Um, I kind of so, assumed I mean, he was the one that was the brains. Of. You know, he's not the. I guess who's the brains? No, Dennis is the brains. Okay, the, Dennis is the brains, but he's evil. I was gonna say the one that's Mac, rationalizing how yes, Black Lives Matter is also all lives matter and all that jazz. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Dennis is the brains, Mac is the muscle, and uh, really Charlie's the heart of all of this. Sure, okay. Yeah, that comes across. That really comes across with all of them in just this one episode. So, yeah. So while Dennis, Mac, and Charlie are in a police station, Dee and Frank go down to the underpass to find an old black (laughs) man who they keep trying to remind themselves they should just call old man. Because they're black. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Right. (laughs) Trying to figure out what do they need to do to correct things here. They run into another, I guess, homeless gentleman under the bridge, played by Chad L. Coleman, which was the first of two cool cameos in this episode. Chad Coleman, of course, played Cuddy on The Wire. Cuddy on The Wire, yep. My wife immediately recognized him from The Walking Dead. And I was like, no, that's Cuddy from The Wire. Yes, get it right. Yeah. <laughs> but he's <laughs> he's also on the Orville. He's a guest star on the Orville. Uh, was he? Yeah, he's no. Bordas's boyfriend, I think. Oh, okay. yeah. If you watch that so, show, um, anybody. So he. <laughs> if you're not, you should be. So it'll come back. Anyway. So they're trying to describe to him who they're looking for, and he's like, "Oh, you're talking about old black man." Yeah. <laughs> so even even under the bridge, he's known as old black man. Yeah. They find old black man whose name is Carl and eventually reunite him with his estranged wife, Ruth, at a retirement home. Right, because they want to just get him in a home. Like, that wasn't, yes, they're, they're not aware to... of the fact that she's there, but it's like, okay, well, we can we can get him in a home so he has a place to live. It's, you know, we're just trying to do something right. We're trying to do something good for this person. And when Ruth recognizes him, they determine, oh, that was the mission. That's what we were here to do. We were here to reunite these two people. Right. And then who walks in? Speaking of janitors. <laughs> Scott Bakula himself, a guest appearance. Scott Bakula comes in rolling like a mop bucket yep. <laughs> into the room. In an orderly outfit. And then we get my, my personal, the thing I laughed the hardest at in the entire episode was when, when D looks up and is like, no shit, that's him, that's Scott Bakula. And Frank says, I thought you said Blackula, <laughs> like a black vampire. <laughs> yeah, I definitely I definitely chuckled at that as well. I thought it was funny that Bakula is able to come on here and kind of poke a little fun at himself. Oh, very much. You know? It's all like self-deprecating for him. His story is that he is, in fact, Scott Bakula. He is there Yo, He's playing himself, role, for right? sure, yeah. And that's what he tells them. Yeah. And right. when they ask why he's the janitor at this old folks' home, he says, oh, I'm, re- I'm researching a role. That does not seem to be the case. <laughs> Turns out to not be <laughs> the case. Upon closer inspection. What are you doing here? And he's like, I've been working steadily for 30 years, which is the actual truth. I mean, this guy has never been That's out true. of work. But this version of Scott Bakula was wronged by his ex-wife. <laughs> yeah. And he's kind of just stuck now. But the and this is very much a D thing that she immediately assumes the worst in people 
and sees Scott Bakula there and jumps to the conclusion that he's trying to steal their leap. <laughs> That's why it's <laughs> not is, working because he's Which is a brilliant, brilliant idea. Like, no, you you're trying to steal our <laughs> leap. You're trying to take credit for the thing we just did. <laughs> and Scott Bakula says that show, I just can't get away from it. Yeah. It's just a television show, guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Trying to convince them no, no, stop. I'm it's it's not real life. Right. Which And then Scott Bakula even gets his own musical number in this episode. Yeah, that's one of the things I did make a note about. He sings a verse looking out the window, and I have to admit, it is not the man of La Mancha. <laughs> no, no, no. Like his, he's straining a little bit with that voice. Uh, he was. I mean, we're we're thirty years on. Yeah, and, back know, in the it's... day, he, he really had some pipes. I really thought he had a great singing voice. And this one, I yeah, was just he had like, to sing. Wow. Okay. He sang a lot on episodes of the show. There was the La Mancha. There was the Piano Man episode. Yeah. There was, of course, Glitter Rock. Even the Leap Home. He sings uh, Imagine, Imagine with his sister, right? Yeah. I mean, he mentioned that he really enjoys that and being able to oh, to sing Memphis Melody. Yeah, when he's Elvis. When he's Elvis, right? Blue Season five. Blue moon. I'll keep a shot <laughs> Yeah, season five. It's, it's, you know, they're really swinging for the fences, but uh, but the, but the music in that episode when he sings Blue Moon of Kentucky, it's really great. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, he's straining a little bit, but really, what the gold here is the lyrics. Where he's basically the whole song is him just begging to Ziggy, <laughs> yeah, to leap him away from his life, right, so that he can play poker with the Fall Guy, yeah, and hang out yeah. with Nash Bridges again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that. It was pretty funny. Just great. And then the punchline of that whole scene, like D and Frank have left at this point. Scott Bakula is just pining out the window. And then another orderly in this old folks home is like, uh, hey, Hollywood, why don't you <laughs> leap on up to the third floor? Someone shit all over the dining hall. <laughs> and that's the moment where you're like, oh, no, he's not researching anything. Yeah, he just kind of hangs is, his head and says, yes, life. sir, or something like that. Why don't you leap on up to the <laughs> third floor? Oh, man, yeah. so good. So, yeah, I kind of wondered, and, and you've answered this already, but I, I did kind of wonder whether this was typical of It's Always Sunny, because it really feels like an episode of Community. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it really uh, feels like, because they would always does. do something really strange on that show. I think of it like a gimmick episode, where there's like something a little bit outlandish. I don't want to name drop, but we went to GalaxyCon last month. My wife and I met Joel McHale, and we were talking with him about, like, his favorite episodes of Community. Like, what were the most fun episodes of Community to Oh, make? really? Okay. And the episodes that come up when we're sitting there talking are the paintball episode. Yeah, that's the, great. The D&D &D episode. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all these, like, theme episodes of Community. Right, and that's what I was that, thinking. Uh, like, that, this episode definitely feels like it would fit right in with that kind of show. Where, yeah, and it's a real outlier for It's Always Sunny. This is a a very unusual, and I think because it's musical, even though the music is still dealing with the same sort of kind of off-the-mark perspectives of these characters, the music makes this episode feel softer than a typical episode of It's Always Sunny. Oh, uh, okay. The show is always funny, but 
like man they really put some characters through the ringer on this show they really ruin people's lives on the reg okay and then by the end of the episode they're like well i mean it kind of had it coming anyway yeah you're right you're right you know and that's kind of they just go on and then the next week we have another so is it one of these shows that's um funny because it makes you feel uncomfortable like curb your enthusiasm or something like this where you know like yes it's just kind of like cringy to watch yeah 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 okay yeah I can see that. That does not really come across in this episode, but there's a little bit of it because the other thing that I noticed is the whole purpose, what we find out by the end of this episode is that they're supposed to have learned a lesson in race relations, (laughs) but it's so funny that I don't think it's actually trying to tell you anything. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't land with the audience any more than it does with the characters i don't think the audience is never meant to learn a lesson from this show the characters almost always are and then but don't. they always miss the actual lesson yeah. all right <laughs> like without fail right and this is no exception yeah okay so like without that perspective i'm sitting here watching this show thinking it's a trying to be a commentary on race relations or whatever and by about halfway through, I'm just, you know, just going with it, you know, but uh, that's that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you get the idea that, OK, they're not really trying to to say anything here. This show has had a few moments where it has managed to say some very profound things by design. Like I would say this show always achieves precisely what they intend for it to achieve. And sometimes they do intend for it to comment in a very thoughtful and meaningful way about the characters on the show. Even just revealing something that is kind of, that betrays the exterior that we see about these characters. Right. This is not one of those episodes. (laughs) Not remotely. Sometimes when you have characters like that, you know, Rick and Morty or Curb Your Enthusiasm, where the protagonist of the show becomes the most popular character and people begin to think that you're supposed to like this character when the character is clearly flawed to the point of don't be this way you know and people get the wrong message i I really hope there's not been anybody who has watched it's always sunny and thought any one of these characters is worth emulating most of them are disgusting like outwardly disgusting characters yeah they're not particularly smart. They're not particularly witty. Dennis is witty, but he's also got a real, like, serial killer kind of vibe to him. Like, every character on this show is not presented ever in a way that anyone would want to emulate. Yeah. You know? Well, you would think that, but then neither is Rick. But he's smart. But he's but he's very smart. He's always the smartest person in the room. He's very pedantic. And I think that really speaks to a certain subculture of internet troll. Yeah, right. Well, that's my point. Yeah, like internet troll. (laughs) Going back to Seinfeld, it wasn't until the finale, when they ended up in jail, that I realized the perspective that they were trying to put on these characters for seven seasons, which is that they're not good people. Right, they're all pretty miserable. Yeah, (laughs) and... I didn't get that for seven straight seasons. To me, that show was just about... Funny, ridiculous circumstances. Yeah, and how the stories all ended up coming together at the end. And it was just weird stuff. They say a show about nothing. They don't say a show about terrible people that do nothing. 
you know? Yeah. Part of what was so terrible about that finale to me was that they got arrested for everything we've been laughing at for seven years. Like, oh, am I a terrible person because I was laughing at the fact that Jerry broke up with a girlfriend because she eats peas one at a time? You know, <laughs> like, I mean, that was, I don't know. I think there are moments where Seinfeld did telescope this. Like the time when uh, there's a fire at the birthday party yeah, and George right. pushes all the kids out of the way. The time where George's uh, fiance dies after licking all those stamps. And he's just like, well, that's good. And he's eating a wheel of cheese. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there, there are definitely moments in that show. Right. Um, but, but I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong because I, I just don't think we had seen characters like that before. Yeah. That were so self-absorbed. Right. That the show invited you ultimately to look at them and say, yeah, don't be like this. Right. You know, it's always sunny. There's never been any question about it. Like you watch this show and you're like, oh, we don't want to be these people. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like for sure. Like they should get the Seinfeld finale, but they never, ever will. I wonder how they'll end something like this, this kind of show. I wonder if they know how they're going to end it. Maybe they don't have but, to. Uh, Maybe if something runs this long. Maybe just stop making them. Eventually, yeah, I think it'll just end. Nobody wants an ending for these characters, and whatever the ending will be, it'll just put them right back where they started. Like, yeah. nothing ever changes for these characters. Reset it to the status quo each episode, yeah. Speaking of endings, though, this episode ends with our main characters back in their bodies, and old black man comes back to consciousness. He's been on the couch the whole time, and this has all been a dream. Right. That old black man has had. And he wakes up, much like the Wizard of Oz, and says, I had a dream, and you were there, and you were there. Yeah. And they just tell him it's time for him to go. He's been on the couch too long. You need to leave. It's incredibly rude and callous, but it's just, again, what they do. They've just been not concerned about him, but just wondering when he's going to wake up so they can make him leave. Right. And on his way out the door, we knew it was coming. He looks in the mirror, and looking back at him is Scott Bakula. <laughs> and we get it. We get a good old-fashioned, oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. When Scott Bakula is in the mirror, he says, oh boy, what are the rules? <laughs> right. Everything begins anew. What a great ending. I look at things like this. Like, All right, so, so two episodes ago, we record an episode that's all about the pilot for Highway to Heaven, and Nate and I are thinking, like, who is this for? And, of course, it's for all of you. <laughs> trying to encourage you to go you listen of our or watch <laughs> the pilot for highway to heaven but i look at a joke like this on it's always sunny and i think who is this for like this is such a specific joke it's such a specific gag yeah and it's so reliant upon a cross-section of viewer that remembers quantum leap very well yeah. Beyond just the fact that it was a title and Scott Bakula was on it. Right. Like, that's not enough right. for this joke for to land. But has an affinity for both Quantum Leap and It's Always Sunny. Man, what a sliver of a Venn diagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not unlike what we were talking about in the Flash episode, where you see the Nick Cage Superman fighting a spider. Like, who... Right, yeah, exactly. Who is that for? You know, except people that it's, know. That's even crazier, yeah. It's for people who saw that home video release of Kevin Smith's lecture about this. Right, yeah. Like, 
what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. Are you crazy? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's like a double joke because just having Scott Bakula be the reflection in and of itself is a joke. I think the oh boy yes. part is just like one step further for those who are going to get it. Otherwise, yeah, it's, it's a just kind of, yeah, like, but yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. You know, when old black man wakes up, his first words are, does it, this mean you guys didn't learn your lesson? And they're like, <laughs> learn our lesson from your dream? What is that? How does that make sense? <laughs> but, you know, like, this was your dream. Just bananas. Just absolutely bonkers. This is kind of off popular media, but the idea that he could have a dream that vivid about somebody else we all like to talk about our dreams and nobody likes to hear about them. But right. my question to you would be, have you ever had a dream where you've created a person from thin air, just like absolute thin air, like, and then know them so vividly that when you wake up, you miss them. Have you ever had something like that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This, this happened to me like two nights ago and I still can't get this face out of my brain. That's wild. It is. It's really weird what the brain can do. <laughs> yeah, I wish you could do that when I was awake. Just, just, <laughs> just check the fuck out. It's, I think it's hilarious how minor a character old black man is in his own dream. <laughs> yeah. Like, is he... that's where I thought you were going with that. It's like, I've never had a dream where I was not like the first person engaged character in yeah the dream, that's the right? other thing too yeah i've never just been a bystander watching other people <laughs> yeah i actually have but another thing about it is when they find old black man under the bridge is he a white guy yes okay yeah he's the white guy right yeah yeah i thought that was pretty funny too um <laughs> yeah it's it's really pretty good there have been a number of quantum leap episodes that have involved characters, you know, Sam or even Ben might have experienced this at one point. They're experiencing things from a different perspective based on race or gender, things like that. Quantum right. Leap's always tried to make a comment about it and use that to showcase something about our shared humanity. Yes. And this show goes to great lengths, as it should to imply that there's a lesson and never quite teach you a lesson about it, <laughs> which is just great. Like the lesson that Mac and Dennis learn is that like nobody's worried about church blacks, I guess, is like the main yeah. <laughs> lesson they learn. Oh, we're church blacks. Oh, and then they high five. Yeah, as long as you're an upstanding member of society, it doesn't matter what race you are, which is yeah, yeah absolutely not the case. Yeah. Um, Quantum Leap's all about that stuff. But, yeah, I mentioned earlier how sparse. I really thought, like, we could get a whole series of topics out of shows that must have done something similar to, to this. And they're just not out there. The Quantum Leap wiki makes a list of 13 shows that reference Quantum Leap. And they're as minor as the Seinfeld referenced, which is nothing but a poster of Quantum Leap in NBC Studios. Nobody even says anything about it. It's just a poster there. It's just the poster in the background. Wow. The other ones are like Robot Chicken and, of course, Family Guy. Um, 
I mean, well, yeah, Family Guy's definitely. It's going to reference just about everything under the sun. Is it, a, is it a thing that happened on television at some point? Family Guy's going to reference it. Right, right. But not in a particularly thoughtful way. Not like It's Always Sunny has. I wonder if they're all fans or who the fan is among the group behind this show. You know, Glenn Howerton. Now, did Rob Charlie Day, he wrote the songs. Did he write the episode? He wrote the songs. I don't think he wrote the episode on his own. I think it was all three of them that wrote the episode. You think maybe one of them is a Quantum Leap fan and one of them's a Freaky Friday fan? All three of them are credited as writers on this episode. So, yeah, I wonder who the fan is. Yeah. It could be any one of them. I mean, they are, they love this stuff. Should man. be all they, of them. They, that's who doesn't do love Quantum Leap? <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know why it doesn't have a bigger footprint in popular culture, but Scott Bakula did a little skit on, what is it, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Yeah, they, oh man. He does Ooh, something boy. There. That was a fun one, because Stephen Colbert, obviously a fan of Quantum Leap. It must have been 2016 during the election cycle, right? Mm -hmm. When they revisited the plot of... What was it? It was a Christmas episode of Quantum Leap where he was a cab driver. Right. And there was a brief moment where a young Donald Trump is in the cab with him. Talking yeah. Donald Trump into doing real estate or something of that nature. And yes. So he had to go back and write that wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> write the wrong. Make sure he never runs for president. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. Oh, there was a presidential reference in this episode of Always Sunny, too. We had a black president before we had the orange one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, good entry point for me, maybe, or maybe when I see one that's a little more typical of the series, I'll see how I feel about it. Yeah. If I were you, I would I would recommend jumping into season two or three and watching a couple episodes in there. Yeah. Okay. Once Frank Reynolds is there, that's where the show really starts to pop. It starts to come together. Okay. Well, I have been uh, watching some. Highway to Heaven. Oh, uh, yeah. There was one other thing I wanted to mention. I, my son was going to a birthday party this weekend, so we were out getting a toy for the young man that having a birthday. We're in line at Target, and this big, burly guy with hair just about everywhere and his wife and, and kid, they come up in the line behind us, and this guy is wearing a relatively tight T-shirt, with Michael Landon just splashed across the front of it in like a what? wearing a fedora and smiling at you. It's just like a picture of Michael Landon. And I thought of you immediately and I was like, I, I was this close to asking the gentleman if I could take a picture. <laughs> Where'd you get that shirt? <laughs> yeah, right. I was just Oh man, I want that shirt. Where'd you get it's it? Just just like a promotional photo of Michael Landon or something blown up to the entire breadth of this shirt. It was it really made me laugh on the inside because I couldn't just like look at this guy and laugh at his shirt. Although I'm sure well, that's guess, what he's looking for. Like who wears Michael yeah. Landon on a t-shirt? <laughs> I guess forget everything I said about the weird cross section of it's always sunny and quantum leap fans who would laugh at the Oh boy moment at the end with the, <laughs> the mirror, because I mean, really, if there's a guy out there just wearing a Michael Landon T-shirt to Target in the year 2023, <laughs> anything's possible. Anything's possible. Guys, leave nothing on the table. That's right. Uh, well, I don't have anything left on the table for this. 
No, you? surely not. If there are any more pop culture references out there that we're missing for Quantum Leap, we're going to hunt them down. We're going to find them all. Sure. But um, if you want to share if, them, definitely yeah, do If you so. want to share them with us, please do. Email us at oboyqlpod at gmail.com. I guess you can find us on social media. <laughs> not X. I haven't opened that app since it was... Yeah, yeah boy, but, X. I'm still scrolling around on old X there, but uh, not not happy about it. <laughs> not happy about it. I'm finding it less and less fruitful every single time I get on there. I hear you. And I find people that I used to not follow are suddenly unmuted or unblocked. Mm, and, and curious. I'm seeing a lot of stuff that I just, like... It's like a nice neighborhood that went to hell. That's what this is like. Was it ever a nice neighborhood, really? No, it was. Uh, no, it wasn't a nice neighborhood. It had a nicer name. Uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah, uh, going through your <laughs> your outro, and I'm interrupting. But next episode, we're definitely gonna workshop season two, right? Next episode, we are gonna dig back into it, guys. Ben's song, Addison Augustine, that one guy whose name I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking Hudson? about all of them again <laughs> magic magic yeah absolutely yeah, we'll, we'll talk about them we'll write their next season now have you been giving any of this any thought no i haven't i haven't given a, a shred of thought that's why i couldn't even remember magic's name for a second yeah okay i also have been purposefully trying not to think about this because it's supposed to be a give and take you know, I didn't want to end up writing a season in my own brain and then fighting you for it. You know what I mean? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. a give and take and a back and forth. And the two of us put our brains together and come up with what we want to see. But there's unfortunately at least one nugget that did come to mind because I couldn't stop thinking about it. But uh, we'll, we'll, oh, okay. I'll, sh- I'll right. share that Ooh. with you Next in a week. We got to so. start somewhere, Nate. We'll have to start somewhere. We'll, right. We'll need a grain. So that's what you can look forward to in the next episode, guys. Until then, uh, I'm Brian. And I'm Nate. And we'll be here in the waiting room.